Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, I'm Dr. Asigrade Rodriguez. I'm a neurologist and a sleep physician for NYU Grossman School of Medicine. Today, we're going to talk about challenges in recognizing and diagnosing idiopathic hypersomnia. Idiopathic hypersomnia, as you may know, is one of the central nervous system hypersomnias. The idiopathic essentially means that we don't know the origin and may well be a group of diseases. It's characterized by excessive daytime sleepiness, no cataplexy, because otherwise we'll be not collapsed by one. And we should do testing, including a PhD showing six to seven hours of sleep uh, with no sleep disorder breathing or the sleep disruption that may cause sleepiness. And MSLT with less than a minutes of mean sleep latency, characterized hypersomnia or diagnosed hypersomnia, right? And less than one SOREM in the MSLT, and of course, no SOREMs in the PHG. Alternatively, you can use a total 24 hours with a sleep time of more than 660 minutes, so around 11 hours, which you can document by PHG out for with actigraphs. However, for practical purposes probably will not do that. And you need to be sure it's no other issues involved, like a medication, uh, infection, trauma to the brain, or insufficient sleep, which is the most common cause of excessive daytime sleeping. This is the diagnostic criteria for idiopathic hypersomnia. With shorter clues, supportive criteria we can have in this case, severe and prolonged sleep inertia that we're going to explain a little bit in the next slide, we'll call it sleep drunkenness. Unrefreshing naps, either long or short, but unrefreshing. Autonomic instability, including headaches, orthostatic disturbances, perception of temperature dysregulation called rhinose phenomenon, memory and attention difficulties, and some depressive symptoms around 15 to 25% of patients. Of this, probably the sleep drunkenness is the most important because it seems to be a little bit more common in these patients. Usually starting adolescents at around 16 to 21 years old, the sleep drunkenness is characterized by prolonged difficulty in waking up with repeat returns to sleep, irritability, and autonomic behavior and confusion. Could be very long, more than one hour. It's extreme form of sleep inertia seems to be present around 33 to 66% of patients. It can be present in other uh, CNS hypersomnia, including narcolepsy, seems to be more common in IH. Naps are long sound refreshing, and when you see a PhD with a sleep efficiency more than 90% in an adult, it may be suggestive of idiopathic hypersomnia. Why so difficult? As I mentioned, it could be a group of diseases, right? But the issue is that it's rare. It's still rare, right? It's starting teenage years, so many things happen at that age. For example, uh, most of the teenagers are sleep deprived, so sufficient sleep. Some of them may have delayed sleep pace, so they may uh, sleep late, 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 and catch up on weekends and look like they're sleeping very long. Well, they may have both. At this point, we may, may have some mood disorders, medication may be involved, and also recreational drugs. MSLT is inconsistent in children, it's not that reliable. And even in adults, the 40 to 25% of uh, have been reporting in this patient to change diagnosis for narcolepsy, the IH to normal. So pay attention to that. Clinical suspicion is important. It's likely a heterogeneous condition that overlaps with other CNS hypersomnia. So that's what makes it so confusing. 
It could be other sleep disorders involved. For example, patients will stop the sleep apnea. Uh, you may treat them and continue to be sleepy. You take the history when you were younger and they were sleepy. Most likely they have an age where it's difficult to prove. What makes it difficult too is that there's no biomarker involved. So traditionally, has been a diagnosis of exclusion, even if we have our criteria. So how we clarify the diagnosis? Well, a detailed clinical history. Huh? Testing with appropriate clinical correlation, right? If patient has a sleep drunkenness, the extreme form of sleep inertia may be a potent clue. Other sleep disorder may be present, but it doesn't mean that the patient doesn't have a age. There's new tools that we have, like the idiopathic hypersomnia severity scale, which may be helpful as a measure and burden of symptoms and also as a follow-up and treatment response tool. So all those things can help us to elucidate age. This is a nice graphic when we see the overlap between IH and narcolepsy type 2. Um, we have many similar things, including sleep inertia. However, if you find this, most likely will have uh, IH. Also, they have long, non refreshing naps. So little clues that can help you to elucidate the mystery of um, idiopathic hypersomnia. Most of the patients are underdiagnosed, so you should just need to think about it. Hopefully that was helpful for you and have a good day. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, Go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.